Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barger, and we have with us Timothy Wu, the head of growth of Nearside, a platform that provides software and financial services to SMBs. Nearside was formerly called Hatch, but they recently rebranded themselves. We're still using the old name in the conversation, but really we're talking about Nearside. On this episode, we're going to talk about the company and how they're helping small businesses sort out their finances. If you need help growing your online presence for your small business, please reach out to my team at shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. We're here to help with content marketing, influencer marketing, website optimization, and more. For more information, check out my website, shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Hey guys, what's going on? We got Shane Barker here with the Marketing Growth Podcast, and we have Tim Wu from Hatchcard today. I'm excited about having you, man. We were kind of talking about this before we jumped on, like between your busy schedule and my busy schedule and traveling and all the fun stuff, it's sometimes difficult to get together, but all the moons aligned and here we are today. So I'm excited about chatting with you, Tim. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great, Shane. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate, uh, yeah, just taking the time and being here. Yeah, well, you guys have something interesting, man. You've got a nice background of working at Square, and now you're over here at Hatch, and you guys have developed something. I think that it's, you know, I, it, you know, when it comes to businesses, and I've worked with a lot of them, small, medium-sized businesses, you know, understanding having your banking card or your bank do more than just hold your money. I think that's kind of what we're looking at here with Hatch, and so I don't want to give away too much of the the awesome stuff that you guys have created there yet. And that'll be a little later on in the podcast. But I, what I like to do is I like to start things off and kind of get to know a little bit more about my guests. And so um, tell us a little bit more about Tim, man. Where did you uh, where did you grow up? Yeah, I actually grew up in San Diego, California. Um, I was uh, born um, in Taiwan, but pretty much came over. I'm, I'm a California kid all the way through. Uh, pretty much moved out to L.A. Uh, to attend UCLA uh, as a liberal arts major uh, when I went to college and really have just been in California for a, a good amount of uh, my life, just kind of moving to and from like Northern California, Southern California. So. so how was it in San Diego? How is it when it goes from 80 to 81 degrees? How do you guys handle that up there when that one degree change, when you guys have the season change? Is that, that's difficult, huh? I mean, it's gotta yeah. be the struggle. Yeah, we pretty much get two seasons throughout the year. It's either like shorts season or it's not shorts season. Um, and you know, once it gets you know, cold down to like 50s and some odd and that's just yeah. an onshore to non-sandal season, but it's it's pretty much like uh, all the rumors you hear is true. It's, it's pretty much like that year round almost. Yeah, San Diego's beautiful. I, I try to get out there as much as possible. I'm in, in Sacramento. So Sacramento, the weather's not bad here, but yeah, it's pretty comparable for sure. And then uh, obviously went to UCLA. I, I used to teach at UCLA. I touch a personal branding, how to be an influencer course. So we got a little little Bruins action there. So that's, that's good. We're already starting off real strong. Who knew, you know, who knew that was going to be the background, but so how big was your family growing up? Uh, my family, we have six. Uh, so two parents, um, my, my folks, uh, and then uh, two other siblings. So it's uh, three kids. And then um, our grandma actually uh, lived with us. And you know, we, we grew up with her as kind of like our one of our primary caretakers. Uh, she, she passed a, a few years ago. But, you know, mm. just, that's kind of like my, my like, you know, family unit that I grew up with. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So is that a cultural thing? I know a lot of times it's, you know, you keep the family real, real close and has a really, really tight knit families. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's actually, uh, so my background, I'm, I'm Taiwanese. That's, that's where my, my parents are from. Um, and it, it's pretty typical that actually a, a grandparent actually comes in and is actually kind of like no need for daycare and babysitting if you have like a you know grandparent who's watching their like grandkids all day, every day. So 
which is awesome. To me, that's the way it should be, right? I mean, it's a family unit. Like you never know, you, know, you hear too many horror stories when you have somebody else watching your kids and then all of a sudden something happens. You're like, oh man, especially it's expensive too, right? So mm -hmm. make it be, and, and it's nice to have all the family unit. I, I was in, I went to school in Costa Rica, which is a whole nother story, but there was three generations there. I had grandma, um, her son, plus his wife, oh. and then they had a daughter. So there was three generations in the family, but you could just tell the just how close the family was. I mean, they instantly brought me in. And so I do love that. I mean, culturally, I think it's really awesome to have your family that close. Um, once again, I think probably as a kid, you you know, they think this is kind of cool, but you're like, God, this is, you know, it's kind of hard because everybody's here. But I think mm -hmm. later on, you realize you're like, oh, there's some, there's some value in that. Grandma brought, you know, probably was part of the reason of who you are today, not only because of your parents, but obviously grandma probably had a, you know, had some good quotes and some other things that kind of helped mold Tim to who he is today. So that's awesome. Yeah, very um, much yeah, I'd say the dynamic was uh, a really big influence on on my life, you know, so, um, you know, grandma being there, both of my parents actually worked uh, full time and a little bit on the weekends as well, just to you know, kind of make sure that it could keep us comfortable and everything. So yeah. uh, I actually saw them very little, um, except for, you know, like evenings and everything. And it was just really interesting to kind of have that dynamic. So yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's awesome. Um, and then where do you currently live? Where are you, where are you at now? Yeah, so I'm actually based out of Las Vegas at this uh, moment. So uh, probably to give a, away a little bit, but we're actually uh, going with a, a remote friendly culture here at Hatch. Um, mm. And uh, my team is actually uh, quite distributed. I actually have somebody on the East Coast and a couple of folks based out of Toronto as well on the uh, growth team specifically. So it's the new way of doing things, right? I think mm -hmm. it's like, I think people were always kind of looking at it anyways between like Basecamp and there was a book, that, some books that came out. It's kind of, oh, we're kind of looking at, my team's always been remote. So I'm, when okay. we, when COVID hit in the situation it, for us, it was like, you know, went from like a Tuesday to a Wednesday in regards to that. Like we didn't have to like, you know, break up the office and figure out who was going to do what. We already had Slack going and all the, the channels to make sure that the communication was there. So that's, that's awesome. I love that fact. So now you can go anywhere. So that's cool. That's always a, a, an added bonus. I think that's, going to be a new perk for businesses or, you know, for companies saying, Hey, listen, we don't have a problem. As long as you're getting your work done and, you know, make shaking hands and kissing babies and making things happen, then, then we're good there. So, and so where did you go to college? You go to college in San Diego as well? Oh, no. Oh, sorry. UCLA. Yeah, UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And what was your major there? Um, so I actually did um, international development studies. I kind of fancy myself thinking that I would go into um, actually a public policy minor on top of that. So yeah. I'm really interested actually into doing some um, NGO work after after school, like um, you know, joining um, like uh, like Peace Corp or something like that. That's actually a really big component of the the major and the program over there. Um, but I actually uh, had a, a little pivot in my mind that I was actually going to go to law school, which is what the public policy minor was uh, actually meant to do. So yeah. um, the first job I had out of college was actually at a, a business um, and a bankruptcy consulting firm. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of like my initial pathway down to like, oh, do I want to work in law? Um, yeah. And from there, I determined yes or no. It was a big no for me. And I found it <laughs> with marketing and growth. So. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Well, so I always ask people about their degrees because it's, it's interesting because obviously there wasn't really growth wasn't, you know, I mean, you think growth, growth was happening, but it wasn't a term that we thought about, oh, growth strategy, like, oh, you want to learn how to do growth. And it's like, oh, mm -hmm. it's not. And that came on later. So I was always intrigued by where does somebody start off? And then where do you end up? Right. So it's like, hey, you want to do law? And then all of a sudden you jumped in and probably answering calls about bankruptcy stuff. And you're like, oh, maybe this isn't what I'm looking for. Right. And in regards to law, there's probably some better options out there. And so you jumped in the growth side of things. So 
So how did this whole work? So I want to talk to you a little bit, obviously, you being the head of growth over there at Hatch and what you guys got going on. Um, how did you get the job over at Hatch? Like, what was like, what piqued your interest? Like, because obviously you have the background with Square, right? I was, you were at Square for almost like four years, I think. You went through a number of different, you know, kind of went up in the company. Um, what was what piqued your interest at Hatch? Why did you Why did you jump on? Yeah, actually, uh, so it's it's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll answer your question by like taking a couple of steps back and my yeah. sort of like history in my career is, um, you know, it, it goes back even further in, in why I'm here at Hatch today. So, um, you know, a couple of uh, companies before Hatch in Square, actually, um, I was actually at a uh, early stage uh, startup called Framed Data. Uh, we were actually a, a machine learning as a service platform. Pretty much we would intake a bunch of like um, uh, third party data analytics from like Google, uh, you know, Mixpanel, Amplitude, what have you, just anything you can think of in the you know, sort of like marketing stack. And then we would essentially run it through our models to make predictions on when people would churn and that sort of thing. So yeah. that was the first company that was founded and led by um, our CEO, Thompson Nguyen. And then that company actually sold on to Square. We were acquired by Square um, and went on to, a lot of us went off into different departments, but specifically into Square Capital is uh, where a lot of us worked. Um, mm. And so why I'm here at Hatch today is that it's actually a really good intersection of a lot of the work that I've done before in the past, um, doing marketing sales for machine learning and data heavy and data driven you know, products and processes, um, you know, went on to Square to like learn a lot about the struggles of small business owners and you know what can we do in terms of offering like different services and products to them. And then when my CEO Thompson actually uh, said that he wanted to start yet another company um, and you know he left uh, Square to start Hatch, um, I said let's let's just get back on this ride man I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty ready to get back into startups and you know the, the rest is history as they say so yeah the, the, the first one didn't do too bad last time i checked huh? you got bought by square that's not not a bad little situation last time i checked and that's awesome i love the startup thing i mean square you know once again i've heard nothing but good things about them but i do think there's something about this startup energy Right. And also having successes in the past. So you kind of know, you know, when it comes to leadership and stuff. And also, I think the, the big thing you touched on is that at Square, you start to see, and thinking with anywhere, when you're dealing with small businesses, you start to understand some of the struggles, right, yeah. that they're dealing with. And you think, okay, and then when you looked at Hatch and said, okay, wait, this is, this is a solution, right? This is something that I think is important because we, we're used to very much an, an archaic, well, I say banking and stuff of like, oh, you just put your money in account. Okay. And that's awesome. But there's, there's things your money should be working for you, right? There should be other ways that you should be able to, to do that. And obviously when you put your money in a bank, the bank makes it so the money's working for them, right? And how do you make them your money work better for yourself? And I think that's kind of what we're touched on today. Um, and so I'm excited to know a little bit more about Hatch. We're going to wait just a little bit. We're, we're sneaking up on the good stuff here in a minute. But so how big is Hatch right now? Like how big is the company? Yeah, so we're actually right around um, 60, I'd say 70 people. Um, so our uh, income classes tend to be you know, a couple of handful at a time. And we've seen a tremendous amount of growth in the uh, the last uh, year or so. Interestingly, um, you know, post COVID and pandemic, um, you know, we, you know, had the same sort of like hiring challenges as everybody else, the uncertainty yeah. of, oh, do we hire from Bay Area and, and whatnot, but uh, we've definitely been able to kind of keep a really healthy pipeline of folks. So we're yeah, around a 60 to 70 larger right now. That's awesome. Yeah, I know, man. Hiring was, that was so interesting. Like I, there was so many, I mean, cause I work with a lot of like small businesses and, you know, in great, it's like, Hey, they started getting more people in the door and Hey, business starts to go again. And they're like, we can't find anybody. I just need somebody with a heartbeat, which is not, you know, we don't want to hire say if you have a heartbeat, but at the end of the day, it was difficult, man. There was a lot of people, there was a lot of talent that just seemed to not be out there. And then 
I think now we're starting to see some of them kind of sneak back in because unemployment not happening anymore, whatever that may be. Um, now they're getting ready to get to get back out and get in the work scene. So let's talk about, I want to talk about just small businesses and, and how what you guys have created and how you guys help small businesses. Cause I think that's, that's what intrigued me to interview you guys was like what you guys are doing and how it's very different once again than a typical banking situation. So talk to me a little bit about what you guys do to help save money for small businesses. Yeah. So I think um, kind of like a, a couple of ways that I like to think about it is that, you know, right now, um, you know, if you just kind of look at SBA.gov, like you'll see, you know, like these really broad statistics of like 30 million small businesses in the United States um, of which uh, there's a subset of them that, um, in, you know, kind of like the traditional lens um, is technically not a small business. It's actually the folks that we're really trying to work with are what we would call maybe the S in SMB. So micro Americans, like people who, again, in like the more sort of defined terms, people might not be, you know, considered a small business. So gigsters, freelancers, 1099s, like uh, even folks who are working um, for themselves on um, you know, gig platforms like Uber and Lyft, like yeah. If, you know, at certain levels, if they actually have enough income, you know, they can determine themselves as a small business, um, mm. even if it's just, you know, what they're selling is like, you know, you know their time and, and labor and expertise, right? So, you know, our market is to actually cater to like really, really early stage um, businesses, because a lot of times what we find is that um, usually these folks are, you know, um, in, in all altitudes, you know, Usually if they want to get a loan or if they need to get a bank account, there's going to be a lot of, you know, due diligence they need to go through through the traditional system. Yeah, and yeah. on top of that, you know, it kind of cascades down. There's community banks, there's, um, you know, sort of like credit unions that can give certain options. But even then, you know, in, in a lot of like the traditional senses, the, uh, in, the, in that lens again, uh, they're sometimes not considered an SMB until they actually have like a certain amount of revenue or like a certain number of like employees or if they're sort of like incorporated in a certain way. So I think for us, um, you know, uh, why I joined Hatch actually, um, I know that wasn't part of the question, was actually because I was really intrigued in not only, you know, working again with small businesses like I did with Square, but also trying to help redefine what a small business truly is. So yeah. uh, that to me is like a really, just like an engaging um, sort of like challenge. And it's, it's partially just like carving out a niche in a market as well yeah. as like find um, you know, who those customers are for us. So. Yeah, I love that because I think that's what the gig economy and with once again, whatever that entails, those people kind of get lost a little bit, right? Because they're not real, they're, they are a small business, but they potentially aren't if they're not making a certain amount or if they don't have their EIN number, if they don't have like, but they're still a business. I mean, they're still obviously trading their, their time for money. Mm -hmm. And right. And so that means that there is something there. And so I love the fact that you guys are saying, hey, I, I understand the typical model of, you know, small businesses is what we define them as, but really what you guys are saying is saying, Hey, we're, we're here to help everybody, right? Mm -hmm. If you're trading your time for money, if you're doing something like that, then you're a business and we're here to help support you guys in that um, and be able to give you guys um, access to whatever it is, the cards and the other stuff. And I think we'll, we'll probably touch on that a little bit, but so what would you say? So I guess my question for you in regards to Hatch is how is it different than like other digital uh, banks for small businesses like what kind of what's your differentiator what do you guys do there's got to be a reason why you jump from square to this you said okay this is that's it they're doing something really cool yeah i think for me it really is the market um and in like the specific like customer profile so you know i mean uh, i think with square um you know I, it's pretty pretty you know public domain so i haven't been privy to any information so everything that i know at this point is like what's yeah. public website um you know they they're really uh and what i actually really love about square as well is that you know they've really expanded you know, the square business model to really just like get into that more traditional sort of bracket 
of small businesses and it's like multi-location mom and pop shops or maybe small um you know chains or um you know like uh less than you know 10 location franchises and stuff and you know they have things like uh restaurant point of sale retail point of sale and you know they went from the hey i have a small reader that you can swipe credit cards for the seller at the uh, farmer's market into like hey we have like a whole you know software system Sweet, and we do yeah. loans to you for you know your brick and mortar business and you know I, I think that they you know still have like the reader and everything like that but i think um you know what kind of sets um you know hatch apart from you know our immediate competitors as well as you know um you know the i guess like at this point tech, uh, square would be considered more of an incumbent in the tech space because yeah. they're so well established um is that again it's just you know we're we're actually trying to um you know, target and really service a, a sector of customers that, um, you know, our competitors are not even really looking at. Um, so I think a lot of the times uh, with, uh, you know, other sort of like challenger banks and neobanks, you know, pretty typical terms, um, like they, you know, really like the features that they're building are very, you know, continue to be geared towards, you know, I think like businesses are just a little bit more established than, than us. So mm -hmm. I think the challenge for the Hatch team and you know, why uh, we've been, you know, really like focused on what we're doing is actually, again, figuring out what are the features that, you know, these like, um, again, really micro um, SMBs are really looking for. And um, just to kind of describe kind of what our customers sort of look like sometimes, yeah. they're actually somebody who might come in to our platform and our products with a, a day job. So they actually um, are working like Monday through Friday on a thing. And then the business is actually just a little bit of revenue on the weekends. And it's kind of like, what can we do to push these folks to be, you know, doing their weekend side hustle and get them to the next level so that this can actually be, you know, sort of the dream that they're like living out, you know? So um, that's a, you know, a little bit of like what differentiates us and, and kind of like who we're targeting and, and servicing versus I would say other competitors and um, like larger establishments. So. I think that makes total sense because the gig economy is huge. It's only going to get bigger, right? So I think there's going to be more of these people that, once again, are in this stuck in this weird area, this middle area where they're not quite this, but they're definitely more than just starting, right? So it's like, hey, we've got something going there. And the fact that you guys want to, you know, cater to them. And then also, I think, as you said, like with Square, Square was able to integrate itself into businesses, then start offering loans and doing stuff that all started from a little reader. I can see you guys doing something similar. Hey, we're going to go in there and help. Once again, we're going to help you develop this business out. So it's not just a weekend and hustle, side hustle deal. Hey, this is going to be something full time and you can use some of our suites of services and different things that we have. And so they'll always, you know, you'll always have that, that, that loyalty because you guys help get them from the little side hustle thing that they were doing to now what we all want to do is be entrepreneurs. I mean, I just read some stats. I can't remember the number. It was, I don't know, so many millions of people that are quitting their jobs. They want to go do their thing. They want to go do their own thing, right? And I think COVID and those type of things have kind of forced people to say, wait a second, like maybe I can do this, right? Maybe there is something there. And you guys are taking care of those people saying, hey, you want to make that jump from, you know, full-time employment to doing your side hustle to it being a long-term thing. Um, I love that. I love that. You guys are taking care of a market that was probably in dire need of it. And so you guys saw that opportunity. So I love that. So what is your guys' end game at Hatch? Like, what is the, like, you know, it's, Right. Is there is there a bigger vision here of like, hey, do you want to do you want to buy Square one day? Like, I don't I don't I won't tell anybody, but like, what is it like? What is the goal there? Do you have what what is it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think for us, uh, you know, we're at that stage where it's almost it's a little of the awkward turtle. It's like, you know, I think uh, we're we're recruiting folks who are are really just like focused on you know uh, like passionate about the customer segment that we're helping. Um, also, just you know, really interested in kind of like building new and interesting things. 
Um, so, you know, I think for us, you know, the long-term goal is to really, again, just redefine what, you know, the market uh, carries for, again, this sector of customers, because just from, you know, uh, and I'm kind of speaking for other people and other folks on my team, but, you know, just broadly, you know, uh, like everyone on our team, we, we've, you know, at least in other parts of um, our careers, have just felt like this segment is usually just kind of looked over or it yeah. just isn't really like catered to as strongly as it could be. So, you know, I think for us is, you know, one of our values is actually, um, you know, for the company and it's a little bit, you know, abstract, but it's growing the pie. Uh, we use mm -hmm. it a lot in sort of internal conversations. We try to like anchor meetings to it and, and really try to like focus the, the team's work towards like these like values and goals. And for us, we truly believe that, you know, um, small businesses are, you know, the backbone of the US economy. Mm -hmm. As sure. much as we all love shopping at Amazon or just like the convenience of hopping into like a Target or a Walmart, we also know that we, uh, as consumers, also do enjoy, um, you know, like supporting uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs in our local communities. So I think like our end game is again to just kind of redefine what SMB means in the you know, market sense, but also for us the the bigger goal is like growing the pie. Like I think our hypothesis and our our thing here is like if we can enable and empower a lot more small business owners and entrepreneurs to just go and do their thing. It's just a net, you know, positive for us because um, as, as optimistic as it does sound, it, it actually is mutually beneficial for us because if we're able to help these small business owners actually grow their businesses, that means like, you know, more processing revenue for us or um, you know, yeah. more opportunity for us to kind of push um, and uh, promote more of like our capital intensive products, right? So. Um, yeah, again, it's just really just growing the pie and, you know, just enabling more, more, uh, more of the entrepreneurship in, in the U.S. economy. Thanks, listeners. I hope this helped you learn how Nearsight is helping businesses serve their customers better and how you can make the most of their services. On my next episode, we'll talk in more detail about customer experience and how to tackle feedback well. So stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast.